With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Evening all, and we're back again with another episode of Round the Boards of Speedway podcast. Myself, Nathan Bunton, joined by Kane Watt and Rob Ludlow. How are we doing, fellas? Yeah, all well, good, mate. I'm finally, I'm finally not drunk anymore from the weekend. So, mm-hmm. look at, I'm looking at the positives today. The, the hangover isn't too bad. Dan Bewley. <laughs> my, my, my voice has had better days, but I got a little bit excited in the final on Saturday. So, I'll, hopefully, it hangs on for the rest of the show. To be honest with you. So I can't talk any louder, and it'll be one tone like Kane for the rest of the show. Plenty <laughs> to get through through on the show tonight. Obviously, as we uh, mentioned, uh, all up at Cardiff this weekend, the uh, SGP and the SGP2 series. Um, there was the championship pairs over at Oxford, which both Rob and Kane went to. And then we're previewing some more meetings this week. The GP Challenge at Glasgow on, uh, what is it, Saturday? Indeed. Saturday. Yes. Uh, the Premiership pairs carries on at Sheffield round five this coming Thursday. And we've also got the National League pairs at Leicester this week as well. So lots to look forward to. But uh, uh, I think the most important thing that we can look forward to on this show today is an interview with Bruce Pennell, the 1981 and 82 world champion. So uh, I know we're all looking forward to that one, guys, aren't we? Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, it'd be, yeah it's really good to have Bruce on, I think. But let's crack on and let's go. We're going to go straight to Cardiff. I'll bypass the championship pairs for now. Um, and we'll straight to Cardiff where the three of us come together. Had a few beverages, which was nice. Yeah, um, it was lovely. It was, yeah, the, 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 the beer was probably better than the company, but, you know. It's quite I warm. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd probably sweat from heat one through to heat the final, to be honest with you, which was a long time, as it turned out. So we'll move on to the meeting itself. Um not a great meeting. I don't think anyone's going to argue with the fact that it wasn't a great meeting. Um, but the winner, and a British winner, Dan Bewley. Um, Rob, a fantastic performance from Dan. 
Yeah, um, he he looked like he looked the fastest rider of the night. Uh, I think I was I was I was staggered uh, in his first heat when he he, he gated and he, he come around the outside of um uh, of the other three riders in in his first race. And it, I, he was nearly half a straight ahead by the end of lap one. Um, I thought he was absolutely rapid. Uh, and and you just had a feeling that if he could get himself to that final with a decent gate pick, he he really could do it because obviously as we saw, gating was paramount. Being off of a decent gate was paramount. If you were leading after Ben one. Sorry, after Ben two, then you just pretty much wrapped it up. So, um, yeah, his, his pace on the night was just rapid. Um, once he got out in front, um, nobody got anywhere near him. So I, he's a well-deserved winner. And obviously, it is fantastic to have another British winner at Cardiff um, 15 years after the last time we had one. So, um, yeah, well done, Dan Bewley. Yeah, and Kane, and there's a lot of negatives that can be took from the meeting. Um, but I think the overriding factor is for, for that one minute, of a final you're in a stadium you're at the British Grand Prix and a British rider wins it's just an overwhelming positive that you can take from the meeting yeah it was even though I did predict it I think it was wasn't really expected that Dan would win especially when the like the track became a one-liner because he's a pretty outside good outside rider but you know the first two races were probably the best as anyone's ever seen Um. I'm not sure how the track record works at Cardiff because it's different every year, but his time in Heat 4 was the fastest there's ever been. So that was quite good. The racing was not acceptable, as someone here would say. But <laughs> that, that, that final heat was just... It was a, the best ending that you could really hope for, especially considering he was the only Brit left bar Lambert. Because um, Ellis crashed out and... Wuffenden pulled out after his second or third ride. Third, yeah. Yeah. Which didn't... I didn't even realise, to be honest, but... I know now. But don't mind, because Bealey won, and that's all that matters. I think, yeah, and it, uh, what it has done is it's it's propelled Dan right into contention. I mean, we're talking about into world championship contention. All right, Bartosz Myers looks now 22 points clear at the top, but... Dan finds himself in fourth place and has got a real chance now, <clears throat> especially as the next Grand Prix at Roxlav in Poland. So, so he's on home soil, essentially, um, for that one. Um, so he's got a great chance, Rob, to to stay in that top six. Yeah, he's given, him a mass- he's given himself a massive chance. I think, um, if I'm being honest, I think that Grand Prix wins almost, even if he took a little bit of a nosedive in terms of form by the end of the year, I would I probably suggest I think he's getting a wild card pick next year on the basis he's won a Grand Prix. Um, I think riders have managed to get a pick for less. So um, I think by winning a Grand Prix, he's almost probably given himself a, a certain spot next season. Yeah. Um, if he doesn't make the top six, although on current form, he's on current form, he's the best Brit. I mean, to be honest um, as well, he's in that GP qualifier and I, I don't think many people get close to him there. So. No, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think if he doesn't, you know, assuming he doesn't make, if he doesn't make the top six and he doesn't qualify at Glasgow next Saturday... I would be surprised if he still if they don't pick him. Um, I think it'd be mad yeah. um, for a for a sub riot for essentially a, a reserve rider to come in, do the full time series, and win a Grand Prix in his first season's just ridiculous. It's, it's fantastic to see. So um, yeah, I, he's given himself a massive chance of finishing the top six. Um, I don't think he's going to be. Well, I don't think anybody's going to get near Smarzlik anymore. Um, the guy doesn't even have to win a Grand Prix to extend his lead at this point. So, um, but yeah, I think. I think he's he's nailed on for a GP spot next year, whether that be uh, via the top six or or just just getting a pick. I think so. 
Yeah, what's, uh, what is interesting is he's not, in his last four GPs, he's not been outside the top six. Um, so he's showing some real consistency at the moment. Probably, other than Schmarslick and Madsen, who are the top two, um, he's probably the only one who's shown some real form. Patrick Dudek, again, he's, he's picked up as well. So the top four themselves look like they're getting themselves into a great position now. Um, and with, what's there left? Four rounds left to go. Um, there's not long for the chasing pack to try and catch up. And there's some riders there that will... Uh, Magic Janowski's one who now finds himself on the cusp in sixth place. Um, Ty himself is on seventh place, so he'll need to come back. And Jason Doyle um, is in eighth place. And I know you won't want to talk about this, Rob, but uh, oh. another tapes exclusion for Jason in a, in, a, in a pressure heat. Oh, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Um Obviously, being a Swindon fan, I, 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 you know, Doyle was Doyle looked quick as well. I thought, again, it's similar to the Beaulieu situation. I kind of fancied him. I, I thought if he can get to that final and he gets a decent gate pick, he could win this because it is there isn't there is there's almost no passing, or at least I can't I, I can ve- barely remember a pass in that first meeting. So, um, yeah, it's just it's so frustrating um, to watch. Obviously, I can you know it must be frustrating for, for Doyle himself to to go through the tapes and he's done it once or twice and it's. Yeah, I think it's it's I think on a night where gating was so important, I think yeah possibly I, that might have been going for his head on the on the start line. Who knows? Um, but yeah, from from purely as a as a Swindon fan and, and as a bit of a doily fan, it is it, yeah it was it was pretty frustrating. I thought um, I thought he was going to get in there. Um, I mean, my, it was not quite as frustrating as my dad who had put a tenner <laughs> on him at sixteen to one to win the Grand Prix. So uh, yeah, he was he had some few choice words sat next to me, um, which I could hear over the air horns. Uh, afterwards, so um, yeah, it's just it was a bit of a shame for Doyle in the end, but I thought he had a decent round. He looked quick, so that's yeah. that's the positives going forward, I think. But uh, yeah, just once again, a massive well done to Dan Bewley, and it was nice to see. Uh, I mean, how else would you celebrate a Grand Prix victory by going to a walkabout in Cardiff City Centre on a Saturday evening? So it was <laughs> what I, what I found nice is you wouldn't see that in any other sport. I don't think that so many riders would congregate in one pub, basically. I mean, I, 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 there must've been about 20, 25 riders in there. I don't, yeah. want, to, I don't, I don't want to stitch anyone up here, but <laughs> no, we would probably, yeah, probably maybe not name all of them, but yeah, there were, there were plenty of, uh, lots of speed riders in there. And it was not, I thought it was, it was nice to see, um, Dan come in and he had a, quite a lot of time for fans who, who were in the bar as well. Um, for a while before sort of everybody sort of let him, let him get on get on with his night really so it was it was that was nice to see was Leon Madsen yeah. there Rob yeah um, <laughs> I don't think Anders Thompson what li- listens to this but if he does this is this is an official apology from me for uh, drunkenly drunkenly mistaking him for Leon Madsen um, he didn't seem very pleased and I don't blame him so uh, that's an apology to Anders Thompson for mixing you and Leon Madsen up I do apologise. Um, <laughs> That made my night. I'll be honest. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it made most of the most of most of the guys who were there's night. To be perfectly honest. Uh, so yes, sorry, sorry, Anders. Um, sorry, Leon. Yeah, yeah sorry, Leon. <laughs> um, for getting your uh, for mixing you mixing mixing you guys up. So uh, yeah, sorry yeah. about that. We we moved we moved on from the SGP onto the SGP two on Sunday. I, I made an early call to go home before the meeting, um, which I actually think I've made quite a good decision in the end. Um, I'll I'll leave it to you two to discuss SGP2, um, which was curtailed after Heat 20. They were decided not to carry on with the semi-finals and the final. So, Matthias Scherniak of Poland ended up winning, um, who was second. Kevin, you'll 
Pedersen was second. Yeah. Masso was third. But uh, yeah. by all accounts, the meeting was as bad, if not worse, than the SGP. Uh, I mean, I'll probably let Kane go first on this one because I, 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 yeah, I could probably go on a bit of a rant here. So, Kane, if you if you've got something, I would get it out now before I just take over for the next five minutes of just bad. <laughs> right, that's me done, boys. <laughs> Expert analysis as always. Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah it was um, probably probably the worst meeting I've ever seen. If I'm being totally honest, um, actually, yeah, I, th- I would agree with that. I think it is the worst speedway meeting I've ever seen. I didn't, you know, the, the main Grand Prix was not great, um, but this one was uh, was was pretty shocking um, in terms of the product. Now, obviously, the Cardiff weekend is a great weekend. Um, thoroughly enjoyed the whole weekend, and, and I'm very much an advocate for definitely having a Cardiff GP. And the GP two is a great idea. I thought that was a great idea to have. Um, two for one essentially so you get your ticket and that gets you entry to the gp2 i think that's a great idea and i don't want them to scrap that either what would be nice is if they could just produce a track that lets riders be able to put on a performance that people are going to enjoy um that second meeting sorry rob to interject here a little bit um something i heard today i don't know if this is true or not but does the humidity play i mean you guys might not know either but does the humidity play a role with the cutting up, because I know that they've had issues with the binding of the materials. Now, because of the sheer humidity in there, um, is that contributing to not having a great racetrack and it breaking up? I mean, it's a tough one because I think in terms of the Friday night meeting at Oxford, which was okay, I thought the pairs at Oxford was okay. Now, it was really, really hot at Oxford all day. Um and it was, but and it got dusty towards the end, as you would expect. Now, I didn't think the 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 track in 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 uh, at Cardiff had got dusty at all. It didn't seem dusty, but it was just cutting up in the same places. Um, I saw some some rumor going around that they reckon that um, uh, the material is all stored, um, yeah. but it got contaminated with stones. Like how how long before the meeting did they discover this? Did they not? Was there not a sort of backup plan of thinking, oh, that I'm not sure we're going to use that material, let's get backup material in? Or do they just not bother checking it and thought, or do they, they they check it and think, no, it'd be fine? I don't know. But um, uh, looking at the, that, that SGP2, you had, it was, um, I think it worked out as 12 minutes for one heat. Well, we were averaging 12 minutes for a heat, which is um, another slight official apology from me of moaning at Milton Hall all season for taking ages and getting our riders injured. Uh, it turns out you, you, you Cardiff was worse, guys. So, um, Milton Hall for GP twenty twenty three. Yeah, no, we have the GP at Milton Hall. Why not? Um, yeah, I. It's just cutting up in the same place, and then to track grade after every two heats was so. It was boring, to be perfectly honest, um, and it was. It's such a shame because I think the whole the whole premise of having two two Grand Prix um, rounds, essentially the World Championship, the World Under Twenty One Championship, over one weekend at Cardiff was great value for money in terms of you buying your ticket. You know, I only paid £20 for a ticket and I saw two speedway meetings. But it's the second one was so bad. Um, it's, and, and this is a real shame for these guys, particularly these these under-21 riders, because they're not bad riders. They're good riders in their own right. And they've been they've, they've turned up to two of their three meetings so far on, on pretty poor tracks. Now, Prague, we can't blame because it rained just before the start. But... And then they turn up to Cardiff and they're tr- and they're given this track and they're made to look amateurish. Yeah, I, I didn't think um, 
what I would say is I didn't necessarily think all the crashes that happened on the second day were entirely down to the track. I think there were no. a few individual errors. Um, yeah. But, you know, there, there were a few individual errors from the riders. But obviously, they're inexperienced riders. A lot of these guys are teenagers. They're going to make mistakes. But you've got to, especially for the for the main GP, you've got to produce, you've got to give them, it's the showpiece event of the year. Apparently, you know, it was bigged up to be the, the massive showpiece. It's the Grand Prix that every rider wants to win. Um you've got to give them a track to perform on. Like, it, There's been a few decent GPs at Cardiff, and I would say the track maybe wasn't quite as bad as some of the ones we've seen in the past. I would probably lean, lean, lean towards that 2007 Chris Harris win, which was I thought was rutty everywhere. Um, but uh, it, you've got to give them something to perform on, which I just didn't think they did. I thought you know, it, was, it was very processional, and yeah, the, the uh, a track grade after every two heats in the, in the second meeting was was mind-numbing to be to say the least um but yeah i mean i was going to try and put a slight positive spin on this and say like i hopefully that doesn't the worst thing that i can do is is stop people from going to cardiff because i think people need to go to cardiff they, they have to the crowd, go yeah. the poor as well weren't it yeah i didn't think the crowd was great it didn't you know I've, I've, you've seen a few numbers banding around a lot of people sort of doomsayers reckon it was under twenty thousand, which i didn't think was for the for the main gp this was on the saturday which i don't think was quite right it definitely wasn't as as big as i have seen it um i'd probably say mid 20s i'd would, say 20 25 I reckon. yeah i think 25 sounds about right um but you know obviously you know you've got a lot of people on social media you know every time something happens they, they, there's there's a lot of things people moan about in speedway that don't need to be moaned about the track at Cardiff does need to be moaned about because the organisers need to get it right. If it's their showpiece event, they've got to dish up something better than that. But in on the on the sort of um, on the other side of things, people have, in my opinion, people Speedway fans in Britain have still got to carry on going to Cardiff because if they don't, if those numbers keep dwindling, you're not going to have a British Grand Prix at Cardiff or and the weekend that everybody loves and everybody enjoys the whole weekend. All right, maybe not the racing was wasn't great. The racing was terrible, but if you don't and there's not and, and the crowds keep dwindling you're going to be looking at they might not even they might not have a, a gp in at cardiff or gp in britain at all so mm. it's people please don't get put off by it hopefully they get it right next year um i mean they can't get much worse so but I, you know i'm just sort of imploring people to just stick with it and go again and keep going because otherwise if you don't and the numbers keep dwindling then there isn't going to be a, a cardiff gp for everyone to enjoy I think, and I think most of it is is, is the experience of kind of as well. Going up, meeting people, um, that's that's the part that I found enjoyable as well. Meeting new people, having some drinks, having a laugh. All right, the speedway was was poor, but the whole experience was quite good for me. <clears throat> yeah, so, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, um, I think that uh, I think with a lot of sports nowadays. I, I mean, I go to a not obviously I go to as much beer as I can, but I go to a lot of football. Um, and probably more down to the team that I support. Usually, the the beer with the the, the sort of pub with your friends before the game it tends to be better than it, the actual sport itself. It could just be down to the team I support rather than the football. But uh, it was sort of similar. Like it's not, yeah, you want to go and see you want to go and see great racing, but you, you don't see great racing at every track you go to. Every meeting you go to is not fantastic. You just but you, you go and you, you know you meet new people and you meet people that you haven't met before, and it's just yeah, it's it's just a great weekend. So people just please just keep going. Yeah, 
definitely so, definitely so. And hopefully we do see better racetrack next year. The date's already been confirmed as Saturday, September the 2nd next year at Cardiff. So all set to return. Hopefully the crowds return and we'll all be back taking in another British Grand Prix and another British Grand Prix winner next year. But um, that was a great weekend for us. Um, and then it all started on Friday evening, actually, uh, at Oxford for the Championship Pairs, um, which in the end... And a big well done to everyone involved at Redcar, Jamie Swales, Jade Mudgeway and Charles Wright and Louis Kerr, who came out on top after a 7-2 win against Paul in the final. Now, Kane, I think a lot of people have probably tipped, um, or for myself, Leicester and uh, Paul to be well up there, um, considering some of the riders that were missing. Um, but Redcar rode superbly for right. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I don't know if we mentioned it or not, We'd, I was definitely said on the, the Friday that they were probably the dark horses to do well, along with um, a certain team called Oxford who didn't really do anything. Berwick was quite good as well. I, I thought Berwick did really well. Um, Dry Etheridge was probably their mm. main doubt, but he came out as a, with two wins in a, a second place. So, yeah, they, they were a bit unlucky not to make the, the semis, actually. Um and then we won't talk about the final just because of Craig, but lol. I want to talk about it. I'll let one of you do that one. Um, I've got to rob about that. You can talk to me about it as much as you like, mate. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Was thoroughly enjoyed watching the uh, results come in for that one, mate. But yeah, it was it was, um, it was nice to see um, so, so many. I mean, due to the nature of the meeting um, with so many people pulling out, that you could have probably. Um, there's probably a few names that you'd probably discounted. But, um, yeah, as Kane was alluding to, Berwick, um, unlucky to miss out on a semi-final in the end. Um, but uh, Paul come up short in a final again against Redcar this time. Yeah, they did. I mean, they did. There was a there was a little bit of misfortune with Steve Worrell packing up on the line. Um, now obviously, that's not going to be uh, talked about as much. It, you know, it's unfortunate. Um you know, I think everyone would have been would have been fine with the result had there been like uh, with four riders in the race. Um, I think uh, Redcar might have done on on form. I think Redcar would probably have won it anyway. But um, I would have said so. Yeah, I think they they'd, I think they'd hit they'd hit form on the night right at the right time and they'd, they'd sort of dialed into the track perfectly. Um, but yeah, obviously it's a shame that a final you end up, only end up having with with three riders. Um, so that obviously that was unfortunate, uh, but yeah, there were there were there were plenty of decent decent performances from a lot of teams. Um, obviously, Oxford had a shocking night, which is really gutting. Um, <laughs> uh, but obviously, it was a shame to see uh, a few a few changes to the lineups. I thought obviously Edinburgh ended up having a completely different pair to what they put out last week, and I think they would have fancied their chances with Masters and Pickering. So that was a shame. Um, yeah, Glasgow did pretty well. Daniel Hume came to the party as well, which was which was good. He, he had a lot of pace. He just didn't seem to want, couldn't seem to gate, but he had lots of pace and he pulled off a few decent passes. Um, yeah, I think that you know, in terms of the three meetings of the weekend, it was definitely the best one. Um, yeah. But yeah, so um, congratulations to Redcar. They were, I think, they were they thoroughly deserved it. Um, even though Leicester did top the points in the uh, qualifying rounds. Yeah, and so so well done to all the riders that were involved there. Um, I did forget to mention in our last segment with the Grand Prix. I just wanted to say a big well done to Tom Brennan, Leon Flint, Drew Kemp and Jason Edwards as well, who all rode and done 
very well in the SGP2 event. Um, I actually think Flint and Brennan done quite well in the SGP event as well. Certainly didn't disgrace, disgrace himself when they come into the meeting. No, they didn't. I thought, uh, yeah, I thought they, uh, they all, all performed well. Jason Edwards nearly ended up having a full full program rides in the in the um, uh, in the SGP two. I think there was a, a little joke with the guys around us that um, there were that many sort of uh, engine failures and, and, and crashes that he might have ended up having about eight or nine rides by the end of the night. So, um, but yeah, no, I thought all the British riders did pretty well. It was a shame for Adam Ellis in the main GP to obviously have to pull out because of the crash he had in um, was it qualifying or practice the day before. Uh, qualifying um, on the day. Qualifying, yeah. Qualifying on the, on the day. day. Um, so yeah, that was yeah. Obviously, that's a that's a big shame. But uh, I thought yeah, I thought all the British riders um, that that raced their full sort of quota did 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 really well. It was nice to see the the young lads score some points as well. Yeah, and so on to our predictions then, and over the course of the weekend uh, between the three of us, over them three means we didn't do particularly well. Um, <laughs> Don't worry, guys. Pairs, uh, Kane has somewhat saved the day, which makes a change, but. Um, uh, in the pairs, I picked Leicester, Kane picked Paul, Rob picked Berwick. None of those come in. We, we've gone around the houses with that one. Uh, <laughs> I picked Madsen, Rob went Schmarslick, and of course, Kane went Dan Bewley, so he gets himself a point. And then for the GP2 on Sunday, I went Basso, and you two went with riders that didn't actually ride in the end, Francis Goots <laughs> and Victor Przemski. So um, I've done better, but still not brilliant. Um, and then just to finish off our predictions for last week, um, our meeting of the week last week was the Oxford Chargers against the Bellevue Colts. Um, I think it finished 48-41 in the end, wasn't it, to Oxford? Yes. From memory. So so you two both got yourself a point out of that one. I went for a Bellevue away victory, but it was Oxford who came out on top. Another another great show from Jordan Jenkins in particular for the Oxford Chargers. But uh, um, excuse the pun, they are certainly making a charge for the playoffs now. Oh. How long have you been sat on that one? <laughs> About six months. <laughs> Since the season started. Since they were named yeah. Oxford Chargers. <laughs> actually, I actually think I've used it already in the show, but... Right, oh. I am now... going to send a meeting invite to Bruce Pennell. Um, I will just talk about one more thing before we, we move on to that. I've lost my page. Um, what do we need to talk about? Um, what we'll do is we'll just move on to the meeting of the week this week, um, which is the red car against Glasgow meeting, um, which is next next Sunday, I think, after the GP challenge. So, um, Kane, if you want to go first, uh, how do you see this one going? Um be close I think will it I don't know is Cook injured still he as far as I'm aware he's still out he's still out um, Red card without Eric Ostergaard will be out as well Ostergaard's out Riss is out as we'll come to it a bit Carl Newman's come in for Red Car as well that is I'm glad you mentioned that because I forgot that Um, I think Red Car will win get that out there because I think Cook and Ostergaard are it's a really big miss, even just one of them. I think Newman will do well at reserve. Maybe not straight ahead, but give him time. He's a lot better than the reserve. He's at least a middle order rider, I think, in that league. Um, I'll go red card. 52 38. Red card. 
over to you. Yeah, I thought you said it was going to be close. Yeah, then I remembered everyone was injured. Ah, right, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I myself out of that one. It's going to be close. Uh, 14-point home win. Um, <laughs> it'll be close. It's been 75-15 again. Yeah, it'll be close for four heats. Um, I three will heats. also go... I'm, yeah, three heats, why not? Um, I'm going to go for a for a home win as well. Uh, I think Red Karov uh, hit a bit of form. So uh, I think, as you're right, I think with... Um, Carl Newman coming in for for Carl Bickley, I think that does strengthen them a bit, a little bit of reserve. So uh, I'm going to go for a red car win, and I'm going to go fifty forty. Forty, it's close to where I was heading as well. I'm going to go right, and I'm going to split you two in the middle. I think, pardon the expression. Um, yeah, I think with the injuries that Glasgow have got, uh, red car only really missing Eric Riss. Um, I'm going to go for fifty one thirty nine. And then that will complete what I'm going to send that request to Bruce to join the meeting. Um, and then we'll just go over the scores in the predictions at the moment. So Rob has stayed on 20 points or gone, moved a point. I'm going to start again. He's got another point this week, so he's up to 20. <laughs> Kane has also got himself under 14 and I'm still on 16. So still plenty to play for. We've got four meetings this week. Um to go through yet so we've talked about the red car against Glasgow and we've still got the premiership pairs at Sheffield to talk about um, the GP challenge coming up this week and also the National League pairs at Leicester so while I'm just waiting for Bruce to join I think what we'll do is we will just talk about uh, the GP challenge coming up he is here uh, Bruce is here is he? he is. Bruce is in the building I will not talk about the GP challenge and I'll come straight back to the meeting Hello. Hello, Bruce. Can you hear us? I can hear you guys. Ah, uh, we can oh, hear him yeah. as well. There we go. There we go. I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> we hope we hope it's going to be a good thing. Is but there so, a? Is this a podcast or just phone? It's I a podcast. Sorry, go on. I can't see you guys. No, that's fine. It's just an audio podcast. We're on the radio oh. this evening as well. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Better. Okay. But, uh, firstly, thank you for coming on the show, Bruce. It's an absolute honour to have you join us on the show. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure the people that are listening to this podcast and the people that are listening to the radio will be fully aware who Bruce Pennell is in the world of speedway, 1981 and 82 world champion. So for us, thank you for coming on, Bruce. Well, I. I hope a lot of your uh, listeners are old, because <laughs> if they're not old, they won't know who the hell I am. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest with you, Bruce. Looking at some of our analytics, our age demographics about forty-five to fifty-nine. So I think you'll be okay. Okay, I'm still a little bit older than that, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just wanted to to get you on the show, Bruce. Um, obviously, as someone who's who's been around the speedway world, um, for, I mean, my first initial question to you is. Um, are you still involved in Speedway at all? Do you, do you still get to watch any meetings or, or do you still take an interest in it? You know, I don't. I'm, I'm so busy with the company and, um, you know, I don't know any of the younger, you know, racers. Uh, it's very hard for, for us to even um, get the GPs on TV right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I still stay in touch a little bit. Uh, I, I talk to Greg Hancock quite a bit, uh, you know, and I'm I'm following, you know, Luke Becker and and uh, Brock Nickel. You know, those are um, 
I call them kids. They're two yeah. kids that I think have a, a great future ahead of them. But um, I haven't been to one speedway race here in the States this year. Obviously, we've had the, the COVID issue for the last two years. And we're getting ready for the, the Connor Cup on the 31st at the City of Industry. So I'm finally going to be able to go uh, watch it a little bit live. So I'm excited about that. But, you know, it's been difficult. But I, I do my best to try to, to keep in touch and see what see what's going on. Yeah, brilliant. That's that's good to know. And um, obviously, with, with the British leagues itself, um, has had a, a large plethora of uh, an American riders over the years, and it's probably only in recent times that the numbers have sort of dwindled out of America. Um, and only now we're seeing riders like you mentioned there, Brock Nickel and and um, Luke Becker, um, the two Rummels as well coming over here. Is there is there a particular reason? Do you know of why? the numbers seem to have dried up so much since since back in the days when yourself was riding and we look at the Moran brothers and Dennis Sigalos and then Sam Ermolenko and, and Ronnie Corey and riders like that. You know, it, it, we all have our opinions. I, I think, I mean, obviously, United States has really suffered as well. Um, and I, I think a lot of it had to do with the recession, you know, um, four or five years ago. Uh, I think all of motorsports in general here in the States had suffered. Uh, people were trying to save their money. And I think sometimes they look at it. I, what We only have the city of industry, industry track. We have Costa Mesa and a few of the tracks up north. But up north is, is a good distance from here. You're talking about a, you know, a four or five hour travel. And we're not even talking about the, the a couple of champion speedway tracks, you know, up in New York. And uh, the prize money is just not there. So for a lot of these younger kids and parents, because, of course, the parents fund these kids for the most part, they can't afford to send their kids very far away knowing that they're not going to bring home that much money. So I think uh, the development has really suffered because of the recession uh, and obviously not having a lot of tracks, they kind of look at it like there's not much of a future here. I mean, if you look at here in the United States or especially Southern California, there's a lot of motocross tracks still, you know, and they're all not too far from each other. Uh, So I think, you know, the kids that are brought up around motorsports, they, they get a, a little taste of, you know, whatever it may be. I think the parents really have a lot to say when these kids are younger, because obviously they're the ones putting the money out and it's very, very expensive for one and two, you know, the, the injury risk and level is very high. The more you ride, just like back in, in England, when we were racing, uh, my last couple of years, I was racing 150 nights out of the year. So Hmm. your, your injury level risk level is very, very high because you're racing so much. You know, uh, that's not the case anymore. There's not a lot of tracks here, you know, and obviously it's changed England as well, which is a big heartbreaker for me because when I started, if you wanted to become world champion, you had to move and race in England. I loved it, man. I, I, I love Cradley. I, I, I love the Midlands racing there and all of England. It was just something like unbelievably amazing for me to witness and be a part of back in the late 70s early 80s 
Yeah, and obviously, as you just alluded to there, you started your uh, British League career with uh, Cradley uh, back in 1978. Um, going back to your debut, um, I, I don't know if you remember this, you scored one point on your debut. And then for the remainder of your career in British leagues, you never scored lower than four points, I think it was. You, so what, what are you saying? My memory isn't that good these days, if I remember it? <laughs> a lot of people, we ask. We ask a lot of people where they come in their first professional race and they struggle to remember, to be honest. Oh, but, I'll, ne- uh, I'll never forget that. You're, I think you're talking about, you know, the Intercontinental Final that Mike Bass and I were at at, at uh, White City. I think I got three points there, and and Mike might have gotten one. We struggled tremendously, but Cradley, yeah, my my first meeting, I got one point, and um, you know, it's it's a learn a learning curve. But the bottom line is, how bad do you want this? And you know, I was surrounded by some amazing people, not only mechanics but also riders. I mean, Peter Collins was a, a huge help to me, even when I first started Jeff or. Uh, Chris Busey was, you know, yeah. uh, rest in peace. And, and Dougie Wire, you know, Ivan Major helped quite a bit. I raced on quite a few of the troop teams and, and even Ollie Olsen. But, um, you know, uh, you, uh, you, you listen to everything they say, and then obviously you're going to kind of do it your way. But I was uh, so thankful to have so many great people that, that I was surrounded with. I mean, uh... We were just talking on air uh, a little while ago about, I, I don't know if you uh, heard the result from the, the Cardiff GP this weekend. Um, there was a British winner in Dan Bewley this weekend. And if anyone knows anything about winning a world title in front of their own fans, it, it would be you, Bruce. You won at Los Angeles back in 1982. Just what sort of feeling is it to win a world title in front of your own fans? Well, I, I've, I've got to say, I <laughs> winning it at Wembley for me in 1981 was absolutely amazing. And, and to go back to, to, to Beulia, I didn't get to see the match, but I saw a couple of heats and I even reached out, I think on Facebook to congratulate great Britain for this youngster, you know, winning the GP in, in, in England, man, how, how cool is that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But for me, uh, my, obviously the first one, which is at Wembley. Well, the first one was at, in Gothenburg and uh, that was a disappointing night for me, but uh, you know, uh, Hey, you have to learn from those mistakes. And when you do get beat, you have to learn from it. You can't flush it down the toilet. I mean, it's all, it's all a learning curve. And the, the following year at Wembley was just an absolutely amazing, you know, night for me. Um, I, I just remember entering the stadium with Pete Adams, my old team manager, and, you know, the hair stood up on my neck, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just couldn't believe it. I mean, yes, I did visit and watch Peter win it in 1976. I came over, uh, and, and uh, Chris Pusey showed us around quite a bit. I stayed with him, and I learned a lot. That was the time that, that I decided this is where I want to be and this is what I want to do and anything and everything in my life I want to become champion back back to the 82 world final uh, in Los Angeles of course the world final had never been in the United States and and again the one-offs to me were you know there's a lot of pressure on on any rider in a one-off 
I, I love the GPs. Don't get me wrong. I really do. But the one-offs, you know, you can't, you can only maybe drop one or two points. And if you're dropping any more than that, you're going to be in a runoff and there's a very good chance you won't win it. Um, in, in the GPs, you know, you can, you can lose a night here or there and still come back and become a Grand Prix champion, you know? Uh, but as far as being in the Los Angeles Coliseum and obviously with all the controversy that night with, with Kenny Carter was, you know, it, it kind of set things back a little bit, but, uh, you know, I won it for the second time in a row and, and to me winning it in my home state of California and of obviously the United States was amazing, amazing for me. Yeah, and <clears throat> I mean, you look at the you look at the crowds that you you've won in front of as well, and I think they can probably only tr- sort of dream of that in this country, even ac- across the globe now. Actually, um, I think it was about forty thousand at Los Angeles, but there was ninety two thousand people at Wembley. It, it's just unbelievable numbers um, compared to. I think it, we were talking uh, earlier. There was about twenty to twenty five thousand at Cardiff at the weekend, but right. I mean, you times that by three or four now. And you get to the figure that you were racing off, and it must have, the noise must have just been incredible at Wembley. Oh, uh, you know what? Uh, yeah, I mean, and the horns, and you know, and and all of the souvenirs, and and the supporters, you know, back then were so loud in such a great way because they really loved the riders that they supported, and of course, I was from the United States, but I gained quite a few you know, supporters, even as an American in England, um, being in, you know, Cradley Heath was absolutely amazing for me. And I think that there was probably, they said about 10 coaches that, that came from Cradley to the world final, or maybe more again, my old mind, I, I can't remember it all, but, uh, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I was so focused though. And, with my heat with Ollie, uh, you know, was so close and uh, going up to the start line, even as loud as it was, I I couldn't hear a thing because I was so focused and yes, crossing the finish line and going down, you know, the back straightaway and Ollie was next to me and, you know, we shook hands even going down the straightaway. And I looked up into the stands and I just saw nothing but hands waving and people yelling. That's when you hear it. But but getting up to the start gate, you have nothing more on mind except for to get out of that start and, and win that heat. Yeah, I mean, we, we we look back at your career, and in in reality, it was a very it was quite a short career in terms of how long you were actually racing for. Um, but but some of the honours that you that you won and and some of your own personal achievements. I mean, we're talking three world finals, two world pairs finals, two world team cups. Um, you managed to fit a lot in in those five years. <laughs> yeah, five years. I know. I look at back some of the riders, and you know, even with Crumpy, Jason was coming back again. You know, and he'd even had like a five or ten year, five or seven year break. I can't remember, but you know what? I'm I'm extremely honored and thankful. Uh, I think the older we get. And yes, even back in those days, I was. I loved it, and I I couldn't believe it. And like I said, keep keep in mind here. It's I wanted that more than anything, and I wasn't going to let anything stop me from from winning it. 
can't you know it, it's this big puzzle and you're always trying to put the puzzle together can you miss a piece of that puzzle absolutely look look at guys like dave jessup back in the day i truly think that that dave should have been world champion yeah, he had a lot of great. sorry bruce um, do you rate him as the unluckiest rider ever totally agree yes i do <laughs> Yes, I do. He was amazing. It was amazing out of the start, and he was a great racer. DJ was a great guy, and yes, I I truly think that he should have become world champion. And that's what I'm saying is, you know, you've always got to put each one of those pieces of the puzzle together on a single night. Mind you, you have an overseas final, you have an intercontinental final, and like for the Americans, you know, for us to be into the overseas final – we only had two guys that would transfer. So that was really the so hard for us to do because at that time there were so many good Yanks and we had to get the top two to be able to get into the overseas final and the intercontinental final. Yes. You know, a few, quite a few more got out of the overseas final into the intercontinental final, but uh, getting out of the American final to, to get into the overseas was extremely hard on every American because there was, there was at least 10 really good guys that could have qualified. I mean, I'm not going to make myself sound quite old compared to the other two guys on the show here, but we, we talked about <laughs> it in years gone by with one-off world finals and all part of my journey through the speedway career. Although unfortunately I never got to take you in Bruce while you were riding. Um, I didn't start going until 1990. Some of my favorite moments were, the, the British finals at Coventry on a Sunday, the overseas finals at Coventry on a Sunday afternoon, eight to 10,000 people. Those were the sort of, and as you say, the Americans coming over um, to ride up against the best of British and Australia in these overseas finals. That's, those were the big meetings at the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, realistically, we're there as individuals because that's what we look forward to winning is the individual world final. But think about the world pairs. Yeah. And the Americans got along so good and the world team cup. And you know, the, some of the best matches I was ever involved with were the British versus United States test matches. Those were radical. There was a lot of crap going on in those things, man. I mean, because at that time, you know, the, the British guys wanted to beat our asses and vice versa. You know, yeah, we're, we're on, on your grounds right now, but we want to win. And there was, there was a lot of tough racing and a lot of great times uh, during those test matches. Same with Denmark and same with Sweden, you know, uh, Sweden. Uh, We had some wonderful matches. And then of course we could all celebrate together if it was a world pairs final or a World Team Cup final, which we won as well. You know, um, that was amazing for all of us. Really was. Do you, do you think that camaraderie between nations still exists, or is there just too much of an individual element on the sport now? You know, uh, I don't see a lot of it, and, and and I'll just tell you, I've seen a lot of the the uh, a few of the heats with the recent. Um, uh, qualifiers, you know, and I don't see a lot of great team racing like the old days. Uh, I, I can remember, I mean, Bobby Schwartz is one of the best team racers and, 
you know, and all the Yanks and even like Peter Collins, those guys were what they wanted was to get, you know, their rider, their other British rider in their heat with them to second place, block the Yank or whoever it was. Team racing back in those days, I think, was a, a, a lot more than it is these days. And yes, you're correct. Everyone's there for themselves, you know, and they want to do the best they possibly can. Even if they make a good start, they want to get that three points instead of possibly, you know, dropping a point by helping one of his teammates out. But, you know, again, that's my opinion. You know, that's my opinion. I, I, I mean, I tend to agree, but uh, um, I know many many would argue in the end. But um, in, in terms of... When, when once you left the sport and it was um as i said before it was it's quite a, a short short stint in the sport but then what how did the the whole acting come about well if that's what you call it right <laughs> <laughs> i was a racer you know yeah. uh the good thing back in those days also is that that all of our racing was televised n- nationally here in america yeah. you know cbs nbc abc Sports Spectacular. I don't think we had ESPN back in those days, but uh, a, a lot of the producers have had seen me on different, you know, just doing interviews on, on shows and also talk shows. Um, and I was invited to come over and test to do one episode. And I said, okay, great. Yeah, I'd love to do that, you know. Um, I'm still racing and, you know, uh, I can do it on one of my trips back to the States because I would take maybe two or three days and haul ass back to the States and, and do a few meetings because we had to back then. Plus I wanted to, uh, and then ran up to LA and, and tested and they said, Oh, great, man. Okay. We're going to have you on a show and we'll get back in touch with your manager and you'll just play yourself. Uh, and I said, great. So we got a little closer to, you know, that time. And they said, how would you possibly like to be Eric Estrada's partner on the show and, and play the character full time? And I'm like, okay, I know nothing about acting. I'm a, I'm a racer. They're going to throw me in the deep end. But I says, yeah, well, sure. I'll come and test. Anyway, uh, the world championship was about five months out at the Coliseum. I had another trip back. I went into LA and they put me in the uniform and they, I I tested and they said, you know, uh, we really want you to play this part. However, you're going to have to quit racing, you know, next week because insurance won't allow us to, you know, let you race and, and try to film. I says, well, that's not going to happen. You know, I, I have the world championship coming up now in a, in a couple of months and I've got to get ready for that. They said, okay, well, thanks very much. We'll stick to the plan. Then as soon as you come into the States, we'll do the one show. Well, I went back and they said, you know what? Uh, after the 82 world final, we're going to film that. And we, we would like you to play, uh, Eric's new partner, Pontrello's new partner as a cadet and you're going to need to quit. I said, whoa, that's a, that's a lot to ask, you know? So I thought about it and I said, well, and we're going to also send you to London. So on your day off, I never had days off. 
I had from Birmingham, I had to drive up to London and get with a dialogue coach and work with her for like two or three hours. Long drive for me, it was two and a half hours. And I'd work with her for a couple hours and come back. And, you know, if I had time the next week, I'd do it because I, I couldn't remember the dialogue. That was tough for me. I'm, I was a racer. Yeah. Anyway, got got a little closer to it, and and they they uh, inked me in, and and uh, I, I won the the championship there at the Coliseum, and that's the night I retired and went working on the set the very next week. I, I you know I missed being away from my family in the United States. My, my you know my my parents were killed in an airplane crash in 1975, not long after I went to England. And, you know, we have a very close family. So that was really tough for me. A lot of my family would come over to England and, and even watch the world final. And, uh, and, and so, and I thought, you know, uh, this is a great opportunity for me. I, I've won two world championship, championships besides, you know, my pairs and my world team cup. I'm going to give it a shot. And so that's kind of how it all went down. And, uh, I can tell you that the first day on the set, I think, I think I, I, I spent most of the day in outtakes because I was so bad and I couldn't remember my lines, but they were all great to me and they were helpful and they totally understood, but it, it was certainly a learning curve. Oh, brilliant. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to bring that up. I just wondered how it all came about going from international speedway star into into acting but um <laughs> a, a, a nice story all the same but uh, it wasn't just speedway that you were a world champion again uh powerboat racing how, how did that come about and world champion at that as well were, were you just yeah naturally, were you just naturally good at everything you took your put your hand to uh or or maybe lucky too or, you know luck has a <laughs> lot to do with it more than luck. Uh, you know, uh, so so my dad was a boat racer back in the day. I was just a kid, and I remember traveling traveling across the United States as a little youngster, uh, going to boat races, and my dad absolutely loved it. Uh, and, and then, of course, my dad was a, a huge flying and racing airplanes, P-51 Mustangs that I grew up with as well. And um, so racing really was in the blood. You know, I, I was racing motorcycles at a young age, mini bikes. And, and so uh, when, when I got close to finishing, I had a very, uh, a very nice guy, an Englishman by the name of Nigel Hook, who is, uh, you know, an amazing boat racer, said, hey, how would you like to come and race with me and, and, and you can drive the boat? And see, there's a driver and there's a throttle man. You know, uh, in our boat, I drove it and Dennis was, Dennis Tagales was a throttle man who was an amazing throttle man. He really was. And the hardest part in that race boat is the throttle man, you know, just trimming the boat and making sure not spinning up the, the, the 2000 horsepower motors and blowing motors up. You know, our races were a hundred miles and, and I, and I, so I raced with Nigel for a year and loved it and then uh you know uh, there was an opportunity and uh, dennis's dad was very very close to my dad uh tony seagal so we call him master tony uh i said hey man we got to do this and uh you know i had a couple of sponsor sponsors that were very interested uh and so mr Segalis, master tony uh bought us a big race, race boat and we started racing you know the unlimited v bottoms and uh, did really, really great. And I was getting a little bit old. 
in the end and had kids and thought, you know what? Uh, the biggest thing in my life obviously is my wife and my kids nowadays. And, and so, uh, I think we won, uh, four out of five world championships. It was just an amazing time, but honestly, I, I don't think I can even sit on a motorcycle because, you know, I'm so old and afraid of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you've, you, I mean, you've had citations from presidents, Ronald Reagan as well. Did, did you get to meet Ronald Reagan? No, uh, those were set up uh, from Pete Adams. And yep. then the second one from Bill Clinton with Jeff Immediato. No, they sent uh, original and I have them hanging them in my office and, um, I, I never got to speak to them. And, and of course, uh, you know, Betty Reagan as well. She sent me a nice letter and, uh, but I know I never did meet them. It, it was pretty hard even racing in the end to take any time off, you know, and, but I'm certainly honored. Yeah, definitely. So, and, uh, it, it comes, I mean, it's a great, it must be a great privilege for you. And, and for someone who's world champion, North American champion, intercontinental champion, I mean, the list is endless, Bruce. And, you must be, you must be, I mean, delighted probably doesn't even go to cover how you must feel about your speedway career. Well, like, like I said, you know, uh, I certainly appreciated it back in the day and that's, that's all I wanted, right? That's all I wanted is to become champion. And then when you pull it off, it's like you have this huge relief. I accomplished my utmost goal. And then to do it again, and the and I, I don't want it to sound, you know, little, but the pairs in the World Team Cup winning those two was absolutely an amazing part of my life. And I'm 65 years old right now, and I look back at that, I'm going, how in the hell did I stay on the motorcycle that time? And, you know, how did I beat Ollie that night by an inch, and then Tommy Knudsen by a half of an inch, you know? Uh, so I look back at it and then I look at the supporters because it was all about the supporters. I mean, and, and helping you and you, you know, my managers and I, I can never say enough about my mechanics. I had a great German mechanic, rest in peace, Jürgen Goldstein, Eddie Bull did my motors and he started off with me, you know, in England traveling. Uh, Eddie was certainly great. And, and his wife, Betty Bull, um, Rest in peace, Betty. And then I had Mikey Tazonigas from the States with me the last two world championships. So, and, and there was a few others when I'd come back to the States, you know, they would help me. But, you know, uh, like I said, it's, it's that puzzle and you're putting together all those pieces. And I was very fortunate to have really great people uh, that I was surrounded with. Yeah, and I know a lot of people that I speak to when, when, when we talk about Speedway speak very highly of you Bruce um, and what a great career you had in the UK um, I suppose it, it wouldn't be right for me to not bring up um, what, one aspect that I wanted to talk about and you're probably sick to death of talking there's probably two incidents um, that you're probably <laughs> sick to death of talking of there was hey one let, in, me, let me guess Kenny Carter right I wasn't no I wasn't going to bring that one up I think oh. no, for me it was it was the overseas final at nine, 1982 at White City oh yeah um, yeah for, for me, and like as a, I'd class myself as a modern day speedway fan. Um, I, I always, I've, I've watched that video many times now, and I've seen what went on in the race, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But for me, that was, it was a selfless act. Somebody who, somebody who would give up 
their own individual glory to help their teammates through. And that's almost... I know people will argue with the point I'm making, but that's almost something that you want to see. For me, anyway, yeah. personally. Well, you, you know, you're right. But I'll tell you what I did wrong was by doing the stupid wheelies the last yeah. couple laps. Yeah. You know, we it was really important for us to get as many Americans through to the next round as we could because we wanted as many Americans in the world final at uh, the Coliseum. And, you know, I, I had at that time I had transferred and, you know, Siggy and the two Moran brothers were really good people and very, very good friends as all of the rest of them were Scott Autry, you know, and Ronnie Preston and, you know, the list goes on. We, we got along so good and we all worked together. And so uh, it was important for me not only for us, but United States uh, to try to do whatever I could to help. Um, but in saying that, like I said, I was an idiot for doing the wheelies. I mean, I was in a no win situation. What, what if I, you know, uh, had an engine failure, you know, I'd get booed anyway, I, yeah. you know, and, and you know what, it was about all of us. And I, that's the only thing that I regret doing is the stupid wheelies afterwards. I wish I never did those. That yeah. that was stupid. But as far as helping out the others, I would do it I do it to this day. It, it's just it's the, it's the selfless act of putting others before yourself. It, putting team honors above individual glory is something that's probably gone missing from the sport now. Um we obviously with the with the calendar in, in international speedway these days, we don't get the opportunity to have so many test matches, which I think is also something which is missing, really, really missing um, from the yeah. sport. Um, but obviously, that that was just something I wanted to talk to you about. It's something that I've looked at many, many times, and I'm sure everyone has a different view of what they believe. But um, I know I certainly saw it as a selfless act more than anything else. But um, just just before I move on to Rob with. With some questions now, just what, what sort? What are you doing at the moment? What's uh, I know you're retired now, but what are you? What you're into at the moment? Well, no, I'm not retired yet. Oh, I can't cool. wait. I'm getting close. No, I, uh, I, along with my wife, we own a big concrete cutting business here in um, Orange County, Los Angeles, in, Inland Empire area. Uh, after after my uh, son's death. Uh, and he was actually working for me at the time on the freeway. My wife and I decided, and I, what I was doing, I was managing a, um, uh, a a big concrete cutting company in, you know, the Orange County area. So we said, you know what, enough's enough. And uh, we started our own business and it's doing really well. Um, we named the company after our son. It's Connor Concrete Cutting and Coring. And what we do, we do a lot of freeway freeway work. We we cut the concrete, we core holes in it for mechanical and electrical, in a lot of the big high rises in LA. And uh, we also uh, remove a lot of the concrete with you know pieces of equipment, backhoes, skid steer, bobcats, so on and so forth. But um, we've had the business now just about ten years, and I have to say we've got about forty three employees, and talking about getting old <laughs> i'm a, i am ready <laughs> I'm, 
I am ready. I really am. It's it's been great. But uh, uh, Ryan, my son, my second oldest son, is doing a great job, and I have a great staff here. Don't get me wrong; they they work their asses off, and they do a great job. And we have a very good name in business, and so that's that's what I do uh, four days a week. Yeah, I take three days off these days: so Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and possibly maybe another one in another month or two. Who knows? Lovely, lovely. Nice long weekend for yeah. you. That's right. Before, before I'll, I'll just get the other two to join. I don't know if Rob or Kane have got any specific questions. I know Rob's got a, a quick fire 10 that we like to um, fire at all our guests that come on the show, but I just want to come to Kane and Rob to see if they've got anything they want to add. You know, I'm, po- I'm poised with the uh, with our, with our the 10 quick fire questions, so um, um, Kane, go for it, mate. I hope I can answer them quick. <laughs> They're never as uh, they're never as quick as quick fire ten sounds. To be perfectly honest, so it's hey, all right. well, bloody hell, you know us Americans, we never shut the hell up, though, right? <laughs> yeah. <Or> the Australians. <laughs> Kane, have you got anything? No, no, no. I, I didn't know you talked to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> See, they're bored to death with this. They're going like, "What?" What's no, absolutely on? not. Absolutely not. No, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll, we can crack on with the uh, with the ten quick fire, maybe not so quick fire questions if you're ready. I'm ready. Are you bet? Perfect. Um, okay. So number one, um, what was your favorite track? Cradle Heath. Perfect. Um, number two, the what was it? Who, well, who was the favorite rider that you raced in a team with? Uh, the Cradley team. Uh, any any of your teams, so either the Crady team or, the, or for the USA? Oh, man, there's such a big list of those. Let's start with my my favorite English uh, racer that I got along with and raced a tremendous amount of races with is Peter Collins. Perfect. And then I, w- I would say American-wise, uh, you know, we started pretty much at the same time, a lot of traveling. Uh, Look, I mean, don't get me wrong. Dennis Segalos is my very good buddy to this day. But during that time, because I spent so much time with Schwartz, he would be Bobby Schwartz. Lovely. No, no, it's, it's all these names. My dad talks about all these names. I, my dad watched. Uh, I got. Um, I think he, he managed to get get to watch you race a few times, and he, yeah, all these names are just. My dad talks about them all the time. So, <laughs> um, number three, uh, your f- three favorite things about Speedway. Okay, uh, supporters. Okay. Uh, for, my, first and foremost would be winning. Yeah. Okay. I mean, because that's what we really do it for, for the most part, everybody does. Yeah, of course. Does. Yeah, that's what you're all there for. Okay. It, so. Yeah, yeah. Two would be the support. Yeah. And uh, three would be the money. No, fair enough. That's, <laughs> no, that's a great answer. Not many I'm people... Just, not many people I'm say just, that one, but I think they, I think they want to say it in their head. I'm, I'm just being honest. I'm just no, being that's honest, fine. You know? That's that's perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Number four, sort of two questions in one, really. But um, if uh, can you remember your first professional race and uh, where you finished? My first professional race was at uh, Irwindale Raceway, and um, I was in third division. Third division is the lowest you can get. I was. I, you yeah. had to be 16 year old, 16 years old to race professionally. Okay. I turned 16. I believe my first race was about three or four days after that. And I won my first third division race at Irwindale. 
Ah, perfect. Irwindale Speedway, California. Yep. Oh, that's perfect. No, you a lot of uh, you'd be surprised. There's a, quite a few riders have come on and said like, no, I fell off or no, I crashed yeah. out in my first race. So, oh, um, trust me, I had a lot of times that I crashed. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> uh, number five, your uh, favorite speedway rider ever? Does not a rider that you had to race with, just any rider ever? Gosh, dang it! Like, you know, like I, I don't want to upset anybody because I have so many great american buddies and friends you know um i'm gonna have to still say uh, stay with uh, peter collins okay um pc and i i mean I, I i i went to back to england a few years ago for um eddie bull my my old engine man's his wife had passed away i stayed at pc's and angie's house up in manchester and it was uh, it was great to be able to spend. I was only there a day and a half, but we had some good talks and some good laughs. We spent a lot of time long tracking together in the grass track. I learned so much from him, and he was he's such a true gentleman and you know straightforward. And he was never afraid to you know to guide me. Yeah, like you know, I spent a lot of time with Ivan. But he didn't want to tell you too much, and I don't blame him, <laughs> you know, yeah. because he didn't want you to beat him. And there's a there's a whole bunch of guys like that. But PC never ever would uh, not let me know what's going on. No, that's no, that's that's fine. That's good. Um, I think I could probably guess this one, but um, we ask everyone this one. So uh, your best moment in Speedway that you had? I think I could probably guess, but. I'm teasing if I say when I retired. <laughs> no. Uh, okay, let me just jump back really quick, too. So I had also Mike Bast, okay, an American Speedway legend. He was also one that really guided me when I was in California racing. Yeah, Mike Bast was truly one of my good buddies, and and he really taught me a lot. He Mike was great. So I, I'm sorry. Um Okay, so my my favorite time, um, you know, it's got to be Wembley. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I look at I look at the Coliseum eighty two World Final being the same because it was in the states, but the first one and where it was at, I think sunk in a little bit more than than eighty two. Eighty two did too. Don't get me wrong. Uh, even with all the controversy with with Carter, it yeah. was an amazing night, and in my hometown, that was amazing. But I would have to say Wembley would be probably my first and foremost. Yeah, no, that's that's perfect. Um, number number eight. So, uh, team, you. Um, oh no, I've missed a question there. Number seven. Sorry, my bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, number seven. So, least favorite thing about Speedway. Injury. Yeah, and that's a common one. To be fair, that's yeah, yeah that's quite a regular one. Yeah. Um, don't go out and carry on if you've got something. Well, I mean, like I like I was saying earlier, you know, injury is uh, it's a high risk, especially back in those days, racing 150 nights a year. Yeah, you know your your risk level goes way up. You know, and um, yeah, spend a few times in the hospital, and uh, it 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 sets you it sets you back. Even if it's not too serious, it's going to set you back two months. Yeah, you know, not not just being injured, but everybody's up to speed when you're trying to come back off of a broken bone. So injury is what really hurts. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Um, so yeah, the question question number eight is we moved on. Um, team you would have raced for if it wasn't Cradley. It, you know, it's funny you say that. I was I was offered uh, 
to ride for Halifax and also yeah. Kings Lynn. Kings Lynn and they clearly came up with, you know, the best deal. Okay. Uh, the second favorite, you know what? I really liked Wimbledon. Yeah. Too. It was small. We're us, us Yanks were kind of used to the small tracks for the most part, but I, I liked Wimbledon really did. Yeah. No, I remember going to, uh, me and my dad visited California in 2005 and we watched, um, we watched the Speedway Mason at, at Costa Mesa and, yeah, the, I was surprised how small the track was. I mean, I was only eight at the time, but I was quite surprised how small the track was. But yeah, it was it was it was great. To be fair, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and and one other track. I know you only wanted the one, but my other favorite track, which everybody hated, was Hull. I loved Hull. Yeah, I didn't drop too many points at Hull over the whole period of the time that I was was racing in England. I loved Hull. Perfect. Um, uh, number nine, I think uh, I'll probably know the answer to this one as well, but um, who do you think is the best rider never to win a world title? Well, I, you know, I, I, I got to, like I said before, I, I probably have to say DJ. Yeah. Dave Jessup, you know. Um, Siggy was really close and he had injuries that, that, that affected him. The, the latter part of his career, he was getting close to, and then injuries put him back. But uh, I, I would have to say Dave Jessup. Lovely. Um, and then number 10, the last question sort of thrown in for the three of us, really. Um, so uh, for any reason, I just need you to pick one of these teams for any reason. Uh, doesn't matter what for. Uh, so pick between Workington Comets, Kingsland Stars or Swindon Robins. Who do I like the best out of those three? Yeah, any any can be. You just need to pick one for it. Could be here for any reason. You went there. You went there, raced there, and you had a burger after the meet, and you enjoyed the burger at the stadium. Anything, it can be any reason. Just say okay. Workington, oh, okay. Bruce. Just say Workington. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think I even rode at Workington. Maybe once. That's that's why you're going to pick it. <laughs> okay, I, I'm going to say Swindon. Oh. oh, see that already a legend of the sport, but now he's a legend of the podcast as well. Look at that! What a, what an answer! Uh, yeah, I'm going to say Swindon. I, I I enjoyed being at Swindon. I, I had some tough times there, and uh, I'll never forget when Cradley was there. I know Schwartzy had a a little bit of a issue with some of the uh, supporters in the pits when there was that the the opening at the top. He was screaming and yelling. I'll never forget that. But no, it's a good racetrack, though. It's great. It was good, good place. Oh, perfect. Uh, I, I liked them all, but I, I don't remember working to the guy. Sorry about that. I, I think uh, when you started over in England, Workington closed like, like maybe the same year, and then we didn't come back till nineteen ninety nine. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that I've just got one, one little last question. I think this uh, for my dad, if I remember this correctly. Um, he went to watch uh, Swindon at Cradley Heath, and I think Cradley wiped the floor with Swindon completely, but I think Phil Crump scored a lot of points. Now, he always tells me that Cradley took Phil Crump round on the victory parade after the meeting because he'd scored <laughs> almost all of Swindon's points. Is that right? Can I can I confirm that? Okay, so now my old age is kind of stepping a little bit. Okay, to, to Crumpy was amazing. Yeah. And, uh, he, I, God, I remember racing him at uh, in Aussie, too. I mean, he was, he was really good. So was Billy Sanders, but... Uh, I think you are correct, and and I I can't remember him on the victory lap, but he probably did. He probably did get a ride on it for sure on right. the tractor. 
Yeah, and he ta- yeah, my dad tells me a lot. Of, if, watching Swindon in in those years was was pretty much was Phil Crump scored most of Swindon's points most of the time. Yeah, so. yeah, he he was amazing. He really was. Oh, that's perfect. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Anytime. Brilliant. Che- cheers for that, Bruce. I, I thought you might have picked Kings in there. I'm slightly disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like Kings Lynn, Don't get me wrong. <laughs> oh, you're about the only one that does it at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> But um, it's it's been a, a real big privilege to have you on the show, Bruce, and it's been great to chat with you. Although us three ourselves um, never had the opportunity to see you race, We're, you're somebody that is synonymous with Speedway, um, and and to get somebody of your calibre on a, a podcast, we've only been going uh, six months ourselves. So to get someone like yourself on the show is a real shot on the arm for us, and and it's been a real big honour to have you on the show, Bruce. You guys, uh, thanks so much for for out, uh, reaching out and asking. I, I I love talking about Speedway, and um, I know that uh, I can call you guys kids. You you, you wouldn't remember me racing, but <laughs> I'll take I'm it, glad I can help out. <laughs> no, it, it's been absolutely brilliant, Bruce. So once again, a massive thank you for coming on the show, and and hopefully we'll get to speak again in the future. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. I really do. No Thanks very much, Bruce. Thanks be, very be much, Bruce. Be safe out there, you guys. Be safe. Cheers, Cheers mate. Bruce. Thank you. Well, guys, that was, um, uh, well, absolutely brilliant for me and absolute privilege to have him on the show with us. And he had some nice stories there and, and some good talking points. Yeah, that was that was great. That was an absolute pleasure. I could, yeah, I could sit there listening to, to Bruce talk about Speedway for, for hours. That was, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that. Well, I just good news is. <laughs> the good news is I've, I've asked for an extra half an hour slot on the radio so they get to listen to us for another half an hour as we as we go through the rest of the topics look at that they can't um, get rid of us now we are big no. time <laughs> <laughs> but we'll go back to where we were so we were talking about the um, the GP challenge up at Glasgow this weekend so Kane went to Dan Bewley we were coming to you Rob uh, yeah you were weren't you um, we don't know the full lineup. obviously as Kane was saying um I'm not sure if Kim Nielsen is injured, actually. I, I said that at the weekend. I said it at the weekend. Vasilik. Oh, oh, yeah, I, I think I meant Vasilik. Oh, so no hold okay. in, and I thought it was Nielsen, but oh, okay. I think it might just be Huckenbeck who's missing. Well, in terms of who I'm going to pick, can I can I just be boring and 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 do what Kane did and pick Absolutely. Dan Absolutely. Back to the conversation. Uh, I think I'm, I'm probably going to back with Dan Bewley, I think. Oh. Like he wins one Grand Prix and we all think he's unstoppable now. Yeah, I, I thought that before he won the Grand Prix, so it's okay. Typical British overhype. <laughs> He'll score six points now. Yeah. Harris. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I've just took another look at the lineup and I thought to myself, there ain't no one stopping Bewley out of that lot. So <laughs> I'm going for him as well. I'd also like to put on record. I want friend of the friend of the show, Rasmus Jensen, to, to qualify I, I as well. So. Actually, you know what? Yeah, you know what? Just because, just to spice it up, I'm going to say Rasmus Jensen. Oh yeah, don't start changing it now. Just because friend of the show. When Billy comes on, I'll start predicting him again. <laughs> I'll put. I'll change. I'm changing it to Rasmus Jensen. Now. Good friend of the show. Back of the boys. Even though there we go, Raza, you're in. Kane's gone for Raza. Us two are gone for Billy. If Rasmus Jensen wins now. I'll be excited. <laughs> the I'll be happy. I'll be happy and sad at the same time. I'll just be right. happy. That's that one sorted. Before we move on, let's um, let's do 
what versus Ludlow Challenge. Another classic this week. Oh, oh another just classic. Me, gentlemen, I won't be a minute. Just talk amongst yourselves. I've, uh, yeah, he's doing, yeah, needs a haircut. I'm actually putting the light on, but close. Putting his jeans back on. I, uh, I got scolded. I've got scolded by, by a few listeners I know for losing last week for saying Ryan Sullivan. So, I mean, it wasn't the worst answer in the world. Well, I mean, you wouldn't think so, but the way I was, uh, the way I've been scolded personally about it, it's just, oh, awful. Apparently, Ryan Sullivan was definitely it. Never, I mean, obviously, he was never on the list, but uh, I can't think some of them couldn't believe I picked Ryan Sullivan. So, it, it could get a little bit worse for you than if you get some of these wrong. Oh, great. Oh, I've lost my list now. Oh, I've got it. My list is already scribbled out because my boy decided to scribble through right everything saying, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. <laughs> He'd win the quiz. <laughs> so, anyway, the question this week, based on us three meeting at the British Grand Prix at Ooh. Cardiff. Ooh. So, Ooh. over the course Ooh. of every Cardiff GP and including what happened this weekend, 31 different riders have appeared on a Cardiff podium. Cardiff, remember. I was thinking of this exact question before. Not British GP, Cardiff. Cardiff. You have to name those 31 riders. Okay. I shall come to... I'm going to come to Rob first this week. I think he's first. Okay. Uh, I will have Antonio Limbach. Starting strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, just to clarify, did you say including this weekend? Yeah. Including this weekend, are you include? Is it just the Grand Prix, or are you also including the GPT? Oh, no, just the Grand Prix. Just okay, the okay, okay. That's fine. That's fine. And I'm saying, I didn't want to say Matteo Cerniak later on, and then turn out I get it wrong. Um, Dan Bewley. yeah, Dan Bewley. yeah. Lost my train of thought then. Uh, Bartosz Marslik. Yep. Chris Harris. Yep. Uh. Go on, we'll have my wrong answer from last week. Oh. I know it's a right answer. I have Ryan Sullivan. Cheers, <laughs> yep. Club. Yep. Oh, he's firing at. He's, he's flinging them out, isn't he? Uh, Tony Ricardson. That means he's not writing them down, so he's going to repeat someone. Uh, yeah, he's gonna, he'll end up saying someone I twice will. again. Yep. Who did you say, Jason Crump? No, someone said Rickardson, didn't they? I said Ricardson, yeah. Yep, so it's... Oh, well. You can. Um... Holder. Oh. Which one? Chris. Yep. Nah, Jamie. That's Holder, not Holder. No, 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 James Holder from like 2009. The new uh, legend. Uh, Ty Woofenden. <laughs> yep. Leon Madsen. Yep. Um, yours really bad is I. Like, um, are you finished? There's a couple on here I really like. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking of who finished. I genuinely, I've, I've, honest to God, I think I've forgotten who finished third on Saturday. You know, I was about to say who it was. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, I tell you who I will have. Actually, I'll have Todd Wiltshire. Oh, yes, Nathan will like this one. Neil Christian Iverson. Yeah. Also oh, Iverson. 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 Yeah. Wiltshire uh, finished up to Sullivan, didn't he? I believe. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, because Wil- uh, Wiltshire was was curb crawling it, and the line was outside. So, um, 
Oh, look, you've just you've thrown me off completely now. Oh, uh, Greg Hancock. Yep. Doing well here, boys. Patrick Dudek? Yeah. There's your answer, Rob. Yeah, third place. There we go. Who was third? Patrick Dudek. Um, Emil Saifutinov. Yep. Now, I hope this guy has been said, but Nicky Pedersen? Yep. Yeah, solid. He, he, won, he won when I went 19 years ago. You are old, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> that was a bigger crowd 19 years ago. The worrying thing is, is that I was also at that Grand Prix. So, like, what, in 2003? <laughs> yeah, I was, at, I was at the one in 2003. You must have been, what were you, six? Yeah, I was six, yeah. I was there. I was six. Um, I, was two. I was old enough to drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, uh, my dad was also there, but I don't think he can remember most of it. Um, <laughs> bit, Craig. A bit like this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Lord, was he on the? St- oh, I'm gonna do it. Lee Adams. Yep. Ah, uh, so I was wrong. Well, um, I remember him seeing. I remember him finishing fourth a couple of times, and I, I was like, oh, was he on the podium? He came fourth when Harris won it, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Can't that was not on. A, that was not an Adams track. That was. That was no. That was too. No. That was not an Adams track. Hmm. How many have you got left? How many have you got left? 14. 14. So <sighs> oh. Halfway in it. Just over. Is it 31? Yep. See, I'm making time. but like Stalling for time. Yeah. Stalling for time while he's thinking about our answer to give. I'm, I'm thinking all this, which wrong answer should I say. Maybe Joe Screen, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. Yunovsky. Yep. Yeah. Shocker, that one. Um, I th- mm, did he make the podium? I think he made the podium. Jason Doyle. Yeah. Yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah. I was just and kind. <laughs> no, I, I was just like, I was thinking of um, the argument I had with Kieran about Doyle not being very good. And then I did research and he actually did okay. Yeah, I know he's he's one of the most consistent performers at Cardiff, to be fair. Yeah. Bartosz Marsley. No? Has already, has already oh. been said. I told you he weren't writing them down. Yeah, I was say. like, oh, yeah, that was my, like, oh, that was my second answer. Anyway. See, I was because th- oh. I started thinking about Doyle's things. I think Marsley was third or won it, and I was like, oh, I've got one. And then, see, but last time I got, I repeated an answer. I actually was writing them down. So, you should have wrote them down. You should have wrote them down. I always write these down. I can't, there's write, someone I can't that, read. You, there's, <laughs> there's someone you didn't get that uh, I'm really gutted that you didn't get. Christoph um, Kasperzak. Oh, <laughs> he's going to sue us now. To be fair, my next one I was going to say was Hans Anderson. Ooh. Hans Anderson's it. I don't even know anymore. Um, Do you want to read the rest? Yeah, go on then. I've got Thomas Golob. Jeez, oh, mm. Yarrick Hampel, Andreas uh-huh. Janssen, Peter Kildermond. How did he do that? I don't know. Mikhail he's really, he's really, really good for like two years. For about two minutes. Freddie Lindgren, Bjarni Pedersen, Lee Richardson, oh, Darcy Ward, that as well. and Matty Zagar. Who was the second to last one? Darcy Ward. Oh. And do you want to know what, where I got them uh, facts from? Wikipedia. 
the program. program. The program. The program. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that because in the two thousand and one, it has like the two thousand and sixteen result or something is the final. If you're going to have a quick look in your program. Oh, have a look, mate. I am just having a quick scroll, actually. Little bonus, bonus factory there up there with big fish. <laughs> There's a reason. Six months in, and we've got two two half decent bits of stats. There was from another that. one okay. somewhere, but I forgot what it was. No, I'm not sure there was. Nah, probably not. Oh, but anyway, Rob is back into a two point lead again, ten eight in the challenge. Normality has resumed. Quite you. I thought that'd be a good one, though. To be that fair, was there was there was actually like there was a moment I was I was going to say Artem Laguta, and I'm glad I didn't. Oh, I can't imagine he's rolling many. To be fair, is he? Maybe with two. Gregory might have done one. Might well have done. Um, so where are we heading then? Hey, we've got an extension on the radio show, thanks to Paul and Clive. <laughs> Just yeah, we put the extension on the radio show. Now we We're sort of you know, need to fill Bye, it. Guys. <laughs> Here's no, we've got some... of sounds. No, we've got some more. We've got some more uh, previews to go through. Yeah, some predictions as well. Up. Yeah, that's what I meant. Previews, oh. predictions, well, both. Um, so, coming up on Thursday is the fifth round of the Premiership Pairs, and it is coming from Sheffield this week. Um, I'm just going to... Who should I go? I'm going to go for Kane first. Oh, I went first last time. I think you should pick someone else. All right. Well, at least Rob or me, go. then. That was that easy. Rob. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's brilliant. Brilliant. And in, <laughs> I, I will point out, we've got the Premiership Pairs and the National League Pairs, of which I only know the pairings for Mildenhall. We so, can guess. Good luck. Don't need luck. Um, okay, so we're doing the premiership pairs now, aren't we? I'm Look, not going to make myself... You, while you're having a little think about it, I'll just give the, the listeners the, the standings after four rounds. So uh, Ipswich are in the lead on 38, Kingsley in 26, Sheffield 24, Bellevue 22, Wolves 10 and Peterborough 8. So effectively, Ipswich could wrap it up <laughs> this week. They could. With a decent re- result at but Sheffield. So that is the question. Let's let's have a little let's have a little go through the pairing, shall we? If for, for Bellevue, have probably Are they released. Got... No, I'm just thinking oh. like Rick, Frick, Kurt, Zagar. They're all available. Ipswich's top three are all available. Wolves are obviously going to be missing Masters, but Morris, um, Warrell, and I don't know about Douglas if he's available. So Wolves might be under strength. Kings Lynn will be missing potentially Pickering. I'm not sure how bad his ear elbow injury is. Um, Peterborough are short on numbers at the moment, but um, they'll have a few, a couple available at least. And Sheffield, um, you'd you would imagine Adam Ellis is now out uh, with a broken collarbone. Um, they could have Jack Holder, Tobias Muzlak. So go from there. Okay. I will. Um, mm, mm, Sheffield or Ipswich? Who do I want to pick? It's going to be one of them two. Now, I'll tell you what. They're going to win one eventually, and I'm going to back them because they're at home. I'm going to go Sheffield. Oh, he's gone to Sheffield. He's gone. He's bold. Sheffield. Kane, I'll come to you next. Now, I'm not going to be bold. I might do, actually. I don't know. Because I think Doyle will do well, but where's the backup this time? It's Bachelor, isn't it? Ba- well, Bachelor was there last season and he went from number one to number two, so 
It's pony. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I don't think. I don't. I don't think it'll be Ipswich. Especially, I don't know because King only had the one race last time, as well. So I'm not entirely confident with that. Um, Kingsland could have Clinton Lawson. I was thinking actually... of Kingsland actually because of the nobody. Result. Nobody is thinking of Kingsland. No, genuinely, I was because I was like, oh, <laughs> like the only teams that hit forty like of of late. And then... It's like saying it's like saying you're thinking of Peterborough. Actually, when you put it that way, now yeah, that's just that's just good. There's only six teams. Like it's not, you know, yeah, yeah. Kings Lynn, Kings Lynn. Are you mental? (laughs) Possibly, we'll see. Um, actually, nah, Kings Lynn, Kings Lynn. I'll do it. Nikolai Clint and somebody else who's also quite fast. Pickering might be available. He said he wouldn't be out for long, so. Nah, nah, I know I'll do it. It'll be Nikolai Clint on his own. I think Clint, Clint and Pickering could be a decent partnership with Sheffield. Definitely. You just if Clint, you know, if, if Pickering doesn't, doesn't ride, then Lawson. Yeah, I assume yeah. it'll have to be. I mean, you only got three, but he only finished two rides, and he's he goes well at Sheffield usually, I would say. So I don't think things are as bad as we're making out them to be. Well, Rob, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Nathan wouldn't do that. Uh, I'm going to go against the grain. I'm going to go against both of you. I'm going to Bellevue. I think they'll have a decent meeting. No, d- see, that, that makes a bit of sense. That actually makes some sense. Uh, so, I in fact, I discounted Kingsley, and there was only three teams, but now you mentioned Ipswich. Apart from Doyle, they haven't really got anything else. Nah. You say that, but they are like leading the pairs, and they did win the last round with Batchelor away from home. They're literally leading the pairs and they're top of the league, and I have no idea how they got there. (laughs) They just did. (laughs) My only issue with Bellevue is I looked at their last score at Sheffield. Um, Brady 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 Kurtz Kurtz got paid five. Charles Wright got ten from six rides. Zega got paid seven, two last places. And Maxford got nine. So yeah, not big school, it was a bit, a bit underwhelming, but Sheffield are also quite fast, so we'll let him off. Okay, and then moving on to our last prediction of the week, which uh, will be the National League development pairs. Bear with me, uh, I will get us the, the averages and we can just try and I'll pretend say, we uh, know who it is. I'll, I'll say up, uh, but it's across at Leicester, which might give a, a bit it's of a giveaway. Is for me, I can tell you that much. No, uh, as Kane pointed out, well, as Kane mentioned earlier, Alfie Botel's obviously been released. He's been released from Kent now. Uh, his injury is is worse than the first feared. He's now out for the rest of the season. I'm I'm not convinced that Max Clegg will be allowed to ride. I think he will. He's uh, I'm not sure. Oh, wait, no, he's in minimum appearances. I want to say there oh, might be. I would imagine that they can't just bring Max Clegg in and then ride in the pairs in his first meeting. I th- I I don't know. I'm going to say yeah because British Speedway. Other than. Other than uh, Mildenhall announcing Jason Edwards and Jack Kingston, um, I do not know any of the other pairs, although I would assume Leicester will go with the Thompson twins. I, I have um, sent you the um, the averages. I don't know if you've seen my message, but if they are lovely. in the chat, we can just pretend we know who they are by picking the top two riders. Right, I'm going to... Shall I go first on this one then? Yeah. I could discount, I'm going to discount about half the league already. No disrespect to Plymouth... Oxford, Kent. Oxford? 
Well, oh. Oxford have they've got Jenkins, but Stoneman's out injured. They've got Jenkins and probably Sam Hagen. Hagen or Atkins. Atkins, maybe. He's been riding well. I'm going to discount them, though, because... Atkins is eligible, I don't think. Kent losing... What was Atkins not eligible? I think it has to be top four. Oh, wait, no. Why, why have I made that up? It's top two, in it? <laughs> oh, yeah, it top to four top in the two. I think. I'm going to... I, I just can't see any further than Leicester, if I'm honest. On their own track, with the Thompsons, who I assume would both be there, I just can't see past them two. So I'm going to go with Leicester and be boring. You are boring. I like boring. I don't know why I said that. That was really mean. <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> Should I, I go next? Go yeah, go on then. I was going to pick Leicester, and I'm, I still might because... They are heavy favourites with the Thompson twins. Um, if Kent do have Max Clegg, I would put them as outsiders. Purely for the fact Ben Morley is probably a bit better than National League standard and Clegg rides at Leicester. But Leicester have such a home track advantage, it's it's so hard to discount them or really say anyone's up there. I think the Oxford may just have it. Like I, I did, I was surprised you didn't pick them, but. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's it's John Jenkins, and then the rest will struggle against a higher quality rider. Similar with Berwick as well. It's a very different track to Sheffield, so and then Armadale. We yeah, it's Armadale. <laughs> uh, Bellevue. They've not had amazing away results. It's been very up and down this year. Yeah, fuck it, Leicester. What? I wonder where that was going. Yeah, Leicester. Be right. Leicester to oh. win, and then Milton Hall come second. Oh, thank. Useful insight there. I'm not interested. Second, second place is first loser. If you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> Over to you, Rob. Um, before I say, before gonna be there. Yeah. Before I say who I'm going to say, I'm just going to quit disclaimer as that I'd already I decided on this well yeah, in okay. advance. Yeah. Okay. So oh, I'm just yeah. going to I'm going to pick Leicester. <laughs> it's, it's the obvious <laughs> choice. Really bad for predictions this week. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, the obvious choice. Yeah. yeah, I've I've picked Leicester on the basis that, and genuinely, when I was looking, I was like, well, they're at home. If they have the Thompson twins, the Thompsons yeah, ride the, in the championship and still score points. Yeah, I I don't really see it being anyone else but Leicester. But hey, last week I said Oxford had an outside chance of winning the pairs, and that didn't turn out well. Although it's kind of funny. It could be worse. It could be worse than meeting. Could be at Middlemore. Middlemore's back in the good one episode without saying something about Middlemore's back in the good books this week after watching Cardiff. So <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment. Or the not. only way you look. <laughs> and into the episode. Moving on then, and a couple of changes in the league this week. Um, one in the Premiership and one in the Championship. Uh, Sheffield uh, have released Craig Cook and Louis Kerr has come in to replace him. Um, don't know about you boys, good change, bad change? Um, you go first. Okay, uh, I think good change based on um, Kerr's performances for Redcar and uh, his performance in the pairs on on Friday night. Based on that, I, I think that's a good change. I think um, 
his uh, his statement obviously when he left Kings Lynn um does mention that he, he wasn't very happy there so if he if, if he can get a happy Lewis Kerr at Sheffield then um I think that could be a, a a pretty decent signing um in terms of who they could have brought in you know, I don't really see there's a much there's any any a better replacement without looking abroad so yeah I think good signing okay I'm I'm not so sure I think it it strengthens them because rider replacement was just too weak. Um, but I can't remember who posted it now, but it was something like they'd said that basically Cook is, Cook's average had gone down and he'd underperformed, something like that. But then when you look at the, the scores from this season, it's like Cook had got 49 in nine matches and Lewis Kerr had 53 in 10. So it, it's very much like for like. But yeah... yeah. Just, just for the basis that it's it's a full one to seven again, it, it is a it strengthens them. But I, I see it. I see it as a very much. A, it's it's quite a lot. It's a lot for like change, but um, yeah. it, it releases the pressure of using rider replacement. I suppose I think Sheffield will probably under strength using rider replacement and Louis, somebody who can go well at Sheffield. Um, I know they've got. <clears throat> I think they've got one more meeting at Kings Lynn to come as well. Um, I don't, I'm not sure where they've got another, other away meetings to come, but I'm sure um, I did have it all, he'll actually. be able to contribute. And also a knockout cup final at Kings Lynn as well. So um, if he can if he can help them in that, then um, that that could be big actually. Yeah, it, it, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that was in, it, involved in the change, but it's I'm sure it's just to get Louis back in racing again. But good luck to him there as well, and then. In the final one that we've got up at Redcart, um, Carl Bickley has been released, possibly the most unluckiest rider in British Speedway this year, um, for Kyle Newman to come in. Um, my personal opinion, as indifferent as Carl Newman has been over the last few seasons, um, I, I do think him coming in reserve for Bickley is probably slightly advantageous for them. Kane, yeah. I'll come to you first. Yeah, I mean, having him at reserve as well. I think that's big because you're always going to have someone really strong at reserve, um, whether it be Jenkins, Edwards, Newman. You know, it's it it adds the danger back to Redcar that they probably missed slightly with Eric Rist being out. Um, and then obviously the push for the playoffs as well. You need that extra strength. So yeah, I mean Red could uh, once again up there, and hopefully it all works out. Um, we obviously, we won't, I don't think we'll see Kyle again this year in the Championship. I'm not sure if there's a deadline for signings or not. But if there is, it'll surely be coming to the end of it. Um, but yeah, hopefully it's just you know it's just one of them things and maybe we'll see him back better than ever. Just got to wait and see. Um, as for Newman, he's, he was unlucky at Oxford um, with the injuries. He wasn't doing that bad, I don't think. He was up and down with, the, I think he had some engine issues and everything. But you know, I think if he gets all that sorted, there's no reason he can't put some points in his, on his average red card. And I think he went quite well there when East won <laughs> in 2019 or 2021. I can't remember. He does okay at red car. Used to ride at Newcastle. <laughs> that's kind of close to red car, so that's a fact. Everyone knows that. So yeah, talking about vicinity now rather than actual. Red car starts with an R. I don't know if you know that. I, I don't know where this is heading. Some cracking insight. 
Red car had the colour red in its name. Did you know that? And there's also a car, but they ride bikes. Wow. Being with him this weekend is like destroyed me. I think I've lost brain cells. I genuinely, I've genuinely lost like I've I've lost brain cells. Like I can't. What are they? I've met some great people this weekend. Then I met Kane. Moving on to the last the last point of the show, uh, something that Rob brought to our attention this evening, um, and a potential. Well, this this sort of amazed me a little bit because it involved a little bit of interaction from the the BSPL with the fans and gauging their not opinion. the ones that are blocked on Twitter though. Well, no, that's probably why I didn't see it. To be fair, but <laughs> um, <laughs> but. The whole, and uh, I looked into it a little bit, and it is just for the championship rather than the premiership, but um, it's all the same. It's it's a positive step, but they've asked for uh, the fans to vote on a poll to see how they, they would like the, the the point, the meeting points to be allocated next season. So we can either keep the current system with uh, four points, three points, two points, one point, however you want to win a meeting. Oh, oh, there's too many ways to go through. Or we could go down the simpler version of, as they do in Poland, um, where they do two points for a win, whether it be home or away, one point for a draw and no points for a loss, and then an extra additional point for an aggregate win over two legs. Um, who's putting this in there? This is absolutely brilliant. Um, at the moment, the current percentages, and it opened, I believe, at six o'clock this evening, it's 74-26 in favour of moving to the new system that I've just explained to you about Poland. Um, I'll come to you guys personally. I think it's a great move. Rob? Um, I disagree with you. Me too. I think it's a bad move. I don't like um, change. Not because I don't not because of I don't like change, but I think um the current scoring system means that there are more matches that have something riding on them with a heat to go. Nobody likes to go to a sport and halfway through already know who's gonna win. Or the halfway through, there's nothing else to watch it for. For you know, if you've travelled from say Kingsley to Bellevue and your team could still get a point, those last heats mean a lot more than if does you that, were. Than does if that play on your mind though when you're at a meeting? I'm going to be yeah. honest. That, I, I that, absolutely, absolutely. We're watching Swindon, like, well, uh, we want to at least try and take a point here, don't we? Like, yeah, I think that never plays on my mind. We either win or we lose. Simple. As. You, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, I've, you know, you go to see your team win, but. It, it's, it's, you, you want to get a point, you know. You, you, you've gone gone that way. If you lose by two points, you, you're only getting a point. And because where Speedway is a sport where home advantage is usually so much, so much, um, it's so much more important. Um, I think you, you've got to give. Um, it, it, it sort of it feels like you, you're all right. You've lost, but you've lost by two. You've got you've got very close away from home. And it, it just mean it just feels like there's a reason to watch those last. You know, obviously, if you're going to get hammered by thirty points, then it doesn't matter either way. But for those close meetings, you know, there's always something riding on it. I was like, well, we could still win the meeting, but we could still get a point. And there's but just there's extra dynamic to it. I think it makes the tier. I think it makes the league more interesting because although this season the top four are quite far ahead, the bottom two, for whatever reason, in Poland, I do feel that. You, you know, halfway through the season, you probably know who's going to make the playoffs already. So, if you, if you look at the championship now as it stands, you look at teams like Paul Leicester, to a certain extent, Redcar, Edinburgh, possibly there's another one that is Scunthorpe, I was going to say, who have 
probably a strong home advantage to everyone else, they're now going to only be picking up two points rather than three when they're at home. I just think it will tighten it up. Paul could go two home meetings and two away meetings and say they won. They got ten. They could get ten points out of those three meetings by winning three out of the four. But now the most they're going to get if they win all four is eight points. Yeah, so but, for then, me, but then when Leicester win 60-30 and then get hammered 59-31, they still get three points. Yeah, but they, yeah, but they get three points over the two matches, whereas the other team would get two points. So there's only a difference of one between the two teams over the two legs. Whereas I just think it would be t- it would tighten it up. But, I mean, you, I mean, you look at yeah, but if you do, all right, look at if you take the championship for example, right? So. If you look at, um, I know it's top six in the championship. You've got Red Car and Scunthorpe on twenty three and twenty two. Berwick on around are on eighteen, having raced more meetings. They're four points adrift. That's if in the in the new in the scoring system you're talking about. They're two they're two wins away from making that from making the playoffs, which is sorry no Scunthorpe aren't going to make the playoffs. My bad. So they're five points off, right, off the top six. Berwick right now they're five points off. Red Car have got two meetings in hand. But the more points that are on offer, the more likely that that, that five-point gap isn't insurmountable. Whereas if you just give them two points, that's quite a big gap. Like it, I know five doesn't sound like, but that's quite a big gap. And it, it just means, I think it just means that even even now, although Birmingham have finished their meetings or whatever, but it's it's just hard. I think with the more points on offer, it's, it, it, just mean, it just makes the meeting, it makes the table more likely to change. I think it just, whereas if you've, but I don't think teams are going to stretch an advantage because they're not like Leicester, for instance. They've won fourteen meetings out of their eighteen this season. They're nine points clear in in a two point system. They wouldn't be that many clear. Pool have won. Fair enough. They've only won nine. No, they're but with, with more points on offer, the points the the gap of nine doesn't mean as much to what it would do if it was two points a win, would it? Do you know what yeah, I mean? So the, the gap is the gap is sort of. Although it's nine points, it's not totally insurmountable. Although, yeah, it's not totally yeah. insurmountable, is it? But I, but I think that the the difference would be. I, I mean, I'm I'm that sad. I'm going to probably work it out and find out what the championship table would look like if 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 with the new point scoring system. And I'll I'll bring that. I might even put it on the socials this week. I'm on holiday this week, so I'm going to do it tomorrow. But I just I just sense that it would it would tighten the league up again. I can understand why. I just think, and we've talked about it before, and we talked about it with Rasmus Jensen. The, the point scoring system has just got too overcomplicated. As yeah, it is. I mean, it probably. I mean, you could probably get rid of. I mean, you could tweak it. I think. I think the point of. Uh, I think a team getting a point when they get within um, seven, isn't it, away from home? With, yeah. If they get if they get within seven away from home, I think that that is good. Possibly the idea of getting four points for winning away from home, maybe not so much. So no, you could probably. maybe just get rid of that and just have three points. You get three points for a win, a point for a draw. And if you get within seven, sorry, two points for a draw. You could even do two points for a draw if you want to do it that way. And then if you get within seven away from home, you get a point. I think that needs to, I think I would keep that on the basis of just, it's just an extra dynamic. It's, it's all right, you've lost, but it's not, it's not a totally bad night. You know, it's not. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's, there's. It just means, yeah. You know, obviously, there's not a huge number of away fans go to meetings anyway, but it's, it just means that there's not a totally wasted journey. If that makes sense, it's, it's something. Yeah. Unless, of course, you're getting it hammered. But I think, I think, Kane, the most appealing thing out of this is they're actually willing to communicate with the fans. Yeah, it's, it's something that hasn't been done. I don't think since the supporters' cup, which was absolutely riveting. 
not really. It um, was for us. We won it. The thing with the supporters cup was it was never about supporting your own team. It was no, about it was like who can we get in? It's absolutely awful for the other ones. Yeah, but yeah, no, it, it, it's yeah, good to get the. Um, I'm glad that they're getting the fans' response. Um, whether it's just I, I, for insight or I don't understand why they're not streamlining the whole league. So and, and just doing Sorry? one. Why aren't they? Doing, why aren't they doing all three? rather than just one league. Yeah, that's another thing I don't understand. Why is it just the championship? Why they're not looking at the premiership? Like, why, the super why? Heats. why is Super Heats only in the premiership? And yeah, like you, the- you were saying, that's what I mean. That's the, that's the problem, is that you were saying that obviously the uh, yeah the point scoring system is a bit confusing, which I can I can understand. Yeah, I, I think it's easy enough to, to get your head around once you've, uh, once you've been to a few meetings and you, know, you just ask the question. It's, you know, it's all explained in the programme anyway. But... Um, why? Uh, why? Why is it different between the leagues? I don't just have one set of rules. Yes, it's like it's like having you know you wouldn't do that. Um, well, I'm taking going back to football a bit here, but you wouldn't do that. You know, the Premier League wouldn't have a different point scoring system to the Championship, but it, it's just strange. I don't know why you would do it for one league and not the others. But hey, maybe that'll be another poll. Pretty speedway, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um. But anyway, um, we'll just uh, quickly gloss over the lead tables. Um, not a lot has happened this week, so there's not been a lot of movement in the actual lead tables. Did we table. gloss over the GP tables? That might be more fitting. Yeah, can, I can do, I suppose. Sorry, my voice went a bit high pitched. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just getting me old program I'll, I'll get the, the GP tables up well. I've got them here. So Bartosz Mazik is still in the lead on 96. I think, yeah, 96. That is correct. In second place is Leon Madsen on a mighty 74. He's going to win me lots of money. Patrick Dudek is in third with 65. Bealey shoots up into fourth, one point behind on 64. Then it's 62 for Freddie Lindgren. No, 52. 62. I'm slightly blind. Matt Sienowski is in fifth with 60. Then it's a slight drop to the injured duo of Tyre Wolfenden and Martin Vasilik on 54 and 53. Doyle's in ninth on 53 as well. Mikkel Mikkelsen, 10th, 52. Lambert's also on 52 in 11th. Anders Thompson, 12th, 51. Then it's down to 44 for Jack Holder in 13th. Max Swick in 14th with 42, uh, 41. And then Pavish Belsky down at the bottom on 22. What a guy. <laughs> hey, you got the SGP2 table there The as SGP2 well. table? Oh, I can get that for you, sir. Just give me one moment. I know Matty Shirnyak is, Shirnyak Shirnyak is yet to drop a point and he's probably won it already on 40. <laughs> Yankvek, two fourth places, I think it is, or two third places, 28 points. Benjamin Bassel is now in third on 25. Kevin Newell Pedersen, 22 in fourth place. Peter Klupak down on 20, twice apparently, in fifth and fifth. <laughs> on there twice, that's cool. Then it's Poland's Victor Lampard in 6th on 19. Behind the rider who wasn't riding last weekend, Francis Gustz on 18. Jakub Muskowiak, the defending champion, in 8th with 18. Jonas Nutten, 9th on 14. Tom Brennan, despite being a wild card, is now in 10th on 12. Timmy Salon in 11th, despite missing the Cardiff round, 12 points. Gustav Gran, 12th with 12 points. Norik Blodon, the late replacement for Goosts, I think it was, on 9. Matthias Swinitschke, 15th on 8. Kasper Henriksen, 8 points. And Daniel Klemer, 2 points. 
down in 20th and 21st, my man, Wukta Pajemski. One point. Despite being a main rider, but it's okay. He'll be okay. He's going to be world champion. <laughs> the new Thomas Golub, as some people have said. Who's that, Victor Pajemski? Did Victor Pajemski say that? And did you say that when you we say said something? We said it together. Oh, okay. We're best friends. <laughs> okay. I know he's now missed out on both of the uh, rounds, hasn't he? He rode at Prague. Well, he did. He did. He did laps at Prague. He wasn't very fast. Didn't only got on with the track, but he'll he'll win it to run. I'm I'm calling it now. Put put my prediction in. He's going to win it to run. Okay, I'll I'll hold you to that. Um, Get around at Big Gosh. <laughs> Is that the only place he can ride? No, maybe. <laughs> But um, anyway, thanks for the show tonight, guys. Um, wrapping up now, and we're looking looking ahead to next week. Um, we have got another guest on the show next week. Uh, Greg Blair will be coming on the show next week. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Uh, he'll be on the show next week, uh, talking to us all things Speedway. We know he's got a lot that he wants to bring up, uh, and there's a lot that we want to talk to him about. There was obviously a review of all the meetings that we've had this week. And then also we'll be looking ahead to another GP in Rockslav uh, next week with um, Kleb Chukhanov, uh, <coughs> uh joining as the wild card. So uh, we're looking forward to that one. So um, thanks very much, guys. Cheers, guys. Goodbye. Hope you've enjoyed and we will talk to you again soon. In a bit, lads. Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 